You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled His Name. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. Do you like your name? Sometime in the past, I thought my parents had given me the wrong name. But as time went on, I became used to it. And now, I think it's a good name. Not everyone likes their name. Someone I know well decided he'd like to be named after a famous film star. So he changed his name by deed poll. Some weird Christian names that have been given to children are Apple, Audio, Birdie, Blue Ivy, Cricket, Denim, Everest, Racer and Rainbow. And then there are the combination names like John Longbottom, Johnny Large, not to mention Karaoke, Terry Bill, Barb, Barb Dwyer, Stand Still, Teresa Green, Justin Case, Seymour Leg, Ray Gunn, Doug Hull, Anna Sasson, Rosebush and Penny Button. Names are important as they identify us. But did you know that in times past, parents did not just pick a name that they liked? Children were given names that related to their birth circumstances and other such things. Some early biblical names are like that. For example, the name Adam means taken from the earth. In First Chronicles 4.9 we read about a man named Jabez. This is what is written about him. Jabez was more honourable than his brother's. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. His name basically meant pain. The prophet Hosea married a prostitute called Goma. They had two children whose names were Loharuma, meaning not loved, and Loami, meaning not my people. The name Jesus, as explained in Matthew one twenty one, means he shall save his people from their sins. Another name given to Jesus was Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The name of Jesus commonly used in the Bible is Jesus Christ. But Christ is not a surname like Jones or Smith. It's a title like Sir or Doctor or Baron. Jesus is often referred to as Son of God, though he indeed was in every way God. However, while here on planet Earth, Jesus often called himself Son of Man because he took on humanity in order to save us from our sins. Jesus has also been called other names such as God, my God, Son of David, 
Lamb of God, Second Adam, Light of the World, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Word, Master, Rabbi, I Am, and quite a few others. The prophet Isaiah, writing under inspiration about Jesus, had this description of him. And I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is more, but I want to highlight that the name Jesus is a majestic name. It is a divine name and should not be used carelessly. Unfortunately, some really bad expressions have germinated and grown in our culture, denigrating the name of God. They are Jesus Christ, and oh my God, and cripes, and crikey, gee, and God damn it. To use God's name in a careless and flippant way will not go unnoticed. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 is the third of the Ten Commandments. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. To carelessly use God's name is a sin, because sin, as recorded in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, is transgression or breaking of the law. God's name is to be reverenced and is not to be used thoughtlessly and tossed around as if it is no more than a dirty rag. If you are accustomed to using God's name carelessly, I counsel you to stop doing that. And if you're in the company of others who do that too, my advice to you is to firmly and gently point out their mistake and also remind them that what they are saying is offensive. Jesus outlined some good speech habits when instructing the people gathered on the mountain to hear him. Matthew chapter 5 verses 34 to 37 is about what he said, and this is what it was. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you can't make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. One thing is common amongst human beings. We like to be treated with justice, respect and dignity. When someone uses your name in a disrespectful manner, what is your reaction? Well, of course you don't like it. 
Say, when children refer to their parents as the old man or the old woman, parents feel put down, humiliated, as if they don't really matter. When children are referred to as you little brats, they don't like that either. The same goes with God, who knows what we are, what we do, and what we say. To use God's name carelessly shows we do not give respect to him who deserves our respect. Some of you may know of John the Baptist, who preached the need for repentance and conversion. John, in speaking about Jesus, had this to say, and you find this in Mark chapter 1, verse 7. John said, After me, will come one more powerful than I, whose thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. John recognised the divine nature of Jesus. John paid the utmost respect to Jesus, and we should too. Now, I want to deal with another issue. It's about what happens when we pray. I don't know about you, but when I end a prayer, I add, in Jesus' name, amen. Why would anyone use that expression? Well, this is the way I understand it. When we pray, we are addressing the highest being of the universe. As human beings, in comparison to God, we're nothing. God is all-powerful all-knowing, the life-giver, and he is immortal. Although we are invited to, as the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, to therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need, in reality we have nothing to commend us to God that he should even listen to us. Nothing that we are or what we've done is worthy that God should pay any attention to us. That's except one thing, and that's Jesus. It was Jesus' purpose in coming to this sin-ravaged planet that mankind and God be united again. It was sin that drove a divide between God and man, as sin and sinners can't exist in the presence of God. But because of what Jesus did to save us from our sins, we can come to God's throne of grace and plead for forgiveness and be granted it. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would have no hope nor any opportunity to be granted eternal life we would die an eternal death. It is only because of Jesus that we have the privilege of approaching God. So when we approach God in prayer, it's good to remind ourselves that because of Jesus, our prayers are received. Now, I want to add another issue regarding names. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28 and verse 19, is this statement, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So why use three names, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I think there are two answers to that question. Firstly, God is three in one. In other words, God is singular and yet is plural. Most Protestants understand that God is a trinity, three in one and three as one. Each personality of the trinity carries out different functions, yet all have the same purpose. Probably an analogy that might help is the crew involved in flying a passenger plane. There is the first officer, that's the chief pilot, the second officer, the co-pilot, and then the purser, who looks after the passenger's interests. All are involved to get the passengers to their destination safely. All are individuals performing different functions, yet all are part of a single entity called the crew. The other reason why Jesus instructed that people are to be baptised in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit is that the baptism candidate recognises that the whole Godhead is involved in bringing a sinner to repentance and then to make the decision to serve and honour God. The Holy Spirit leads a person to make decisions. The Son, Jesus, gave his life to ransom that person from the clutches of Satan. The Father is involved in pronouncing the repentant sinner as righteous and accepting him or her into his family. Each is involved and each gives approval and acceptance when someone commits his self or herself to the Lord. Well, we're going to stop here and have a little break and go on straight afterwards. Walk, 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 walk Just a closer walk with me I am weak, but thou art strong Jesus, keep me from all Just a closer walk Dear Lord 
Sometimes it seems that a person's name and the person are two separate things. But in reality, the person and his or her name belong together. If you hear the name of someone who means a lot to you, you immediately have a mental picture of him or her, and you have a realisation of his or her character and characteristics. Sometimes the Bible uses expressions like this one. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. What that means is that someone actually calls upon the Lord through his name. Names of themselves can't do anything. But the one to whom the name belongs can respond. In John chapter 17 verse 11, in part of Jesus' prayer to his Father, Jesus enjoined God to Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that we may be one. So, is there power in a name? Well, you bet there is. Let me share a short story from Acts chapter 3 with you, beginning at the first verse. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking the man by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping 
and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and jumping and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So who did the man praise? No, he praised God. Yet Peter had said to him, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It wasn't the name that healed the lame man. It was God who healed him. Now, I realise that there are a number of religious groups who claim that Jesus was not divine. In other words, they say Jesus was not God. It was Jesus' name that Peter invoked, yet the Bible ascribes the healing to God. If Jesus is not God, then where did the healing come from? One of those religious groups I was referring to that claim that Jesus is not God bases their assumption on one verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, which speaks about Jesus. The verse says, Who, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. There you are, they say. If he was the firstborn, he was created. Therefore, his existence is not of himself. He does not have life of himself. He was given it at birth from another source. But, unfortunately, those same people appear to choose to ignore what immediately follows in verses 16 and 17, which say this, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. As creator, he had life in himself, and he gave life to what he created. You know, it's really stupid to cherry-pick out one verse and ignore other contextual verses. The word firstborn does not, in this case, refer to born first. It means preeminent, most important, supreme, pre-existent. The Gospel of John wholeheartedly supports what I've just explained to you. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Here's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's a clear statement there. It says that Jesus was with God and was God. It's a clear statement that says Jesus in him was life. 
And it's a clear statement that Jesus is the creator. I want to share a few biblical statements about God's name. Psalm 111 verse 9 says this, Holy and awesome is his name. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. 1 Samuel 12 verse 22, For the sake of the great name of the Lord. Revelation 1 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And just one more, although there are many more. And this one's from Psalm 113 verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you know someone who's willing to help you when you're in trouble, you will feel very positive toward that person. You might that you might even call that person that blessing. So it is with God, who is our ever-present help in time of need. It's no wonder his name should be regarded as blessed. Finally, I want to read to you two statements about the name of the Lord. The first is from Romans 10 verses 9 to 13. And it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's repeated in Acts 2 verse 21, which says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In summary of today's program, here are the main points. Firstly, God's name is great. It's beautiful and exalted. It is to be revered. Secondly, God's name is a reflection of his character. Thirdly, anyone who misuses God's name sins. God will not overlook those who carelessly use his name. If you use God's name carelessly, quit doing it right now. Fourthly, those who cry out to God for forgiveness will be forgiven, and if they continue to honour God, they will be saved. Well, it's time for us to stop. I hope you find a blessing in God's holy name and I hope you will never use his name in a careless way. Until next time then, this is Len signing off and wishing you God's richest blessings as you honour him and 
his holy name.